the topic today is uh, discernment, um, which in Christianese essentially is talking about, you know, how do you tell what is of God or from God and not? Because I'm sure you would have heard <clears throat> people who have said things like, uh, you know, I feel like God was telling me blah, blah, blah. Or um, I feel like, you know, God spoke to me and, and told me to do this. Or I feel convicted by God to, you know, say this or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I'm a pessimist by nature. So when I hear people say things like that, uh, two questions immediately come to mind. Uh, the first is, okay, um, sure, how do you know it was God? Or, or what do you mean by that? And then how do you know it was God? So, you know, what do you mean? Was it a voice? Was it a feeling? Was it a, something that you read in the Bible? Was it a sermon you listened to? Was it advice from a friend? Um, like what, what exactly do you mean God told you or God spoke to you or you felt convicted by God and this or that? Um, and then, you know, yeah, like how do you know it was him? How do you know it wasn't just your own desire, your own kind of ambition, um, just a good idea to you and you're just trying to pass it off as if it was God? Um, or how do you know it wasn't a deception? You know, I mean, as Christians, we believe that uh, there, there is not just the powers that belong to God, but we also believe that there are powers belonging to evil, you know, Satan, demons, things like that. So how do you know it wasn't something like that? I'm um, trying to pass off uh, as, you know, as God. I mean, Lucifer or, or Satan is the angel of light. Um, so how do you, how do you know you're not being deceived? So I guess uh, I don't think I'm alone, um, in thinking about these things and, and, uh, asking these things. Um, uh, but I do think that, uh, I haven't really heard a satisfying answer. Um, and, uh, I also feel like every time I try to go look for an answer in the Bible, um, it's not very simple. Uh, there are many things in the Bible that, um, are clear cut, you know, don't commit adultery, like check. That's pretty solid all the way through. Like there's not much room for interpretation, but things like how do you hear from God and how do you know that it's from God? How do you discern God's voice and his will in your life? That I feel is, um, certainly something that is not spelled out, um, in the Bible. So we're going we're gonna to discuss that tonight. Um, and I guess the, the reason why this question is important is because if you don't know that you hear something from God or, or you try to pass something off from God that is not from God, either intentionally or by accident, uh, it can have major ramifications, uh, major ramifications for your life. You could make big mistakes and then you might be in a position where you're like, what the hell, God? I thought I was doing what you wanted me to do or saying what you wanted me to. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a, in a position that you did not want to be in. And so you might blame God or you might be upset or confused or might rock your faith. But on the flip side as well, you might actually um, essentially take the Lord's name in vain. It's one of the big Ten Commandments you shouldn't do. Um, and you might be doing that by, by uh, essentially passing off something from God that isn't from him. So I think it's an important worthwhile topic to discuss and to really have like a, a fairly kind of, you know, good basis for, for our walk um, as Christians, people who try to follow this 
So um, we're going to look at one, one story, um, I think that kind of exemplifies a couple of points. Um, and then out of that story, uh, we're going to uh, essentially just open it up to discussion. Um, and I'm gonna challenge not just the people who are online with me right now to discuss, but I'm gonna challenge, you know, if you're watching this online or hearing this somewhere else, uh, to, to really think about these things. And I'll give you the questions as well to discuss either alone or with a group of people. Um, and hopefully it will be a fruitful kind of um, uh, line of thinking for you. So um, the, the passage we're gonna read, and uh, if you can pull it up, I encourage you to pull it up, is Acts chapter 10. And I just wanna preface um, before we read this, I just want to preface it by saying that Acts is a really, I think when I think about this challenge of like how to hear God's voice and how to discern God's voice, I think Acts is a really good example of that process because what the book of Acts is, is it's a history of the early church. Um, and it's people, apostles, people who knew Jesus firsthand, um, as well as people who got to know Jesus um, through the apostles, but also through miracles and, and other, other divine uh, activity. Um, it's, it's a story about how they came to Jesus and how they uh, tried to live in step, in, in step with the Holy Spirit. And um, I once heard it said that the main character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. Um, and when you read the book of Acts, it's a really good um, example of what it looks like to be a human being on planet Earth without Jesus as your close buddy buddy and trying to follow him as best as you can and, and, and discern and, and walk in, in, in his ways and try to live a life that, um, that, that is in line with, with him and his teaching. So Acts chapter 10, it's a very famous story. Um, and uh, uh, let's, well, I guess let's read it and we'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop at various points to discuss it. So Acts chapter 10, beginning from verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, uh, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. All right, let's pause there. So this is a weird story because right off the bat, the story begins with a brand dude that we don't know. Uh, his name's Cornelius. And in like one or two sentences, we kind of get a very thorough, beautiful picture of this, this guy's character. And he's a, he's a good man. He's a, he's a, he's a successful man. Um, and yet despite his success, he tries to give to others. He's, he's generous and he seems to be really trying hard to follow God. Um, and, and it seems like the real God, um, as opposed to, you know, a pagan God. So, and then an angel comes to him and it says a vision. Um, and in this vision, uh, the angel says, hey, uh, God, God sees you and God's pretty impressed. Uh, so, hey, um, hook up a meeting with this guy called Peter. Um, and obviously you who have read Acts um, and who have read the Gospels, you know who Peter is. Peter is Jesus's close buddy who um, has a very rocky past. Um, and so you're like, oh, 
that's pretty, that's a pretty important meeting right there. That, that's like going right to the top. So you, you're anticipating what's going to happen. But it's an odd way to start the story. And, and Luke, the author of this book, I think is very intentional. He is helping us out. You see, in that moment for Cornelius, and as we'll see with Peter, they don't know any, they don't know what's going on. They don't know the purpose. They, they just are getting these random snippets of information. Um, and they're challenged to follow through on these random snippets of information. And, but we are getting the benefit of hindsight. We are getting the benefit of someone who already knows how the story ends. And so they're kind of giving us a, 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 the bigger picture, essentially. But they don't have that. So just keep that in mind as we read what happens to Peter in verse 9. The next day, uh, as the, the Cornelius' servants were on their journey uh, approaching the city, Peter went out on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He'd been hungry and wanted something to eat. But they were, while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. So Cornelius has a vision, Peter has a trance. And he saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, so little bit of context. So what, what this is referring to is the kosher food laws. Um, so uh, Jewish people, according to the law given to them by Moses, uh, uh, were told, hey, there are just some foods you shouldn't eat. God has set apart certain things that you're allowed to eat. Um, and they are what we would call like, a, um, you know, the, the kosher foods or, or the holy foods, the set apart foods. Um, and then everything else is not for you. It's, it's uh, unclean um, or as Peter will refer to it later, it's common food. And so Peter sees this uh, essentially um, hunger fueled vision or dream or, or, or trance where he's super hungry and this, this sheet comes down where all these animals are there and God's like, off you go, uh, smorgasbord, go for it, uh, get whatever you want, prepare it, go. And uh, Peter says this in verse 14. Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And right here, we get a, a snippet or a glimpse of the Peter that was, the Peter that rebuked Jesus for talking about how he was going to die, the Peter who you know, said, no, Lord, I would never betray you, and then goes on to betray him. We get this stubborn, obstinate Peter who, you know, it's interesting how old habits kind of die hard. But he says, by no means, Lord, no, 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 because he has in his mind a fixed idea of what is the right thing. God is challenging. He knows it's God. Like he, he acknowledges this is something from God. It's a vision. It's a trance. It's, a, it's, it's this divine encounter that he's having. So there's no mistaking that it's from God. And yet uh, he's like opposing it. And he's saying, well, this must be a trick question. This must be a test. This must be, you know, he has pre-formed pre, um, assumptions of what's going on here. In verse uh, 15, the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. Uh, and verse 16, this happened three times. So lots of things happen to Peter in threes. This is one of them. Uh, and so here, Peter doesn't kind of get the hint. Three times it happens to him. A point of emphasis, God is making an emphatic statement to him. And yet Peter doesn't know what that statement is. He's completely confused. It says in verse 17, Peter was inwardly perplexed uh, as to what the vision he had seen might mean. Uh, and then as he's pondering it, this is what happens. 
behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. Verse 19, and while Peter was pondering the vision, so he was still hungry, still confused, dazed, um, still wondering, and then he hears this, uh, um, behold, verse 19, uh, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise up uh, and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. All right, so the, already we're at, we're at a different place than Peter, right? Already Peter has had a, a vision or a trance-like state and, and this thing three times. It's not like he could brush it off and say it was just a once-off thing. No, no, three times he had this vision thing. And then not only that, but now he's getting told by the Holy Spirit, like in a pretty clear way, um, hey, I've sent these people uh, to come to you, so go with them. So automatically, we're kind of already, like there's a gap between us and Peter, but the point remains. And the point is that whenever you feel like God is trying to say something to you, um, I think what this story is trying to kind of communicate with us is, like ponder it. It's okay to be confused about it. It's okay to not know immediately what's going on. But then what we will see is it's important to try to take little steps of obedience. And and let's have a look at that um, in verse uh, 21. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm uh, the one that you're looking for. What's the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Now, Peter's getting a bit of confirmation that what he's heard is is accurate. Um, And so Peter invited them in to be his guest. He rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. So in other words, the people who Peter was hanging around with, people who he trusted, um, the next day he, he went with them, he obeyed, but he's also grabbing some friends. And this is a point that I feel is really important. Um, I think that so many of us, one of two things, either we don't want to follow through with what we might hear God say to us, we're too afraid to make little steps of faith, um, or we do the opposite. We're really gung-ho and really like gunsling all, all four, um, and we don't take the time to kind of like, you know, just, you know, see how things go. And here Peter is recognizing something significant is happening. And so what, but he doesn't know what. So what he does is he grabs some people that he trusts, some people who are his brothers, some people who he, he knows and that know him. And he, he, this is Peter. This is one of the guys who spent three years of his life with Jesus and, and who saw him rise from the dead. This is not some chump. And yet he's grabbing backup. Um, so anyway, an important point, I think, uh, in verse 24, um, on the following day, they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and he called and had called together his relatives and close friends. Uh, when Peter entered Cornelius, uh, when, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. And finally, Peter has the realization. He finally gets what he saw 
in that vision, in that dream, or that, that trance. Um, finally, he realizes God was preparing him. In fact, uh, you know, it took four days from when the servants were sent out to when Peter came back. So presumably, uh, you know, Peter over the course of this time was starting to put two and two together. And it's finally at this point when he sees Cornelius um, and, and uh, his family that he realizes, hey, um, the custom, the context here is that the custom was that a Jewish person was not supposed to be in the house or be associated with a Gentile, someone who, was, who wasn't Jewish. But God was showing him this vision of clean and unclean animals saying, go, you know, and anything that I've made clean, don't call unclean. And Peter start, suddenly realizes that doesn't just extend to food, that extends to people. Um, and suddenly he realizes that the people in front of him, God has called clean. God has called, um, you know, worthy. Um, and that God has done for them what he did for Peter. So um, he has this realization and it took him a while. Like that's something else, that, you know, to discern God's will, it can take you a while. It could take you days. It could take you a journey of, and it can take you even after the fact uh, in hindsight, to realize uh, the truth or to realize what God is actually on about. And again, sometimes I feel like people are a bit gung-ho to try to put words in God's mouth or try to kind of interpret what God might be trying to do. Um, and I think we just need to calm down a little bit, take little steps of faith, and then let him reveal in his time what he is trying to accomplish and say and do in our lives. And then to wrap up this story in verse 29, to 35. Uh, so uh, Peter says, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. So he gets that he was supposed to come and he gets that, um, uh, that, you know, that God was telling him it's okay. And I want you to be around a, a Gentile. Um, but he's like, but why did you ask for me? And Cornelius said four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who was called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and then you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord to say. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And from this story, not only does Cornelius and his family get saved and, and, and come to know Jesus, but um, uh, this story becomes a pivotal uh, influential event in the life of the early church that goes on to influence the way that the church deals with Gentiles. And uh, in Acts chapter 15, Peter becomes one of the main spokespeople about why it the, the Gentiles do not need to follow the Mosaic laws like kosher food laws and circumcision, why they don't need to follow that to become followers of Jesus. And I can guarantee you this story came up in that whole conversation. So what's, what's, what's the take-home messages? And then we'll kind of uh, have some discussion points and, and talk about it together. So take-home message number one is that God's always at work, all right? Whether you see it or not, God's always at work. Um, uh, Point number two is that God is trying to speak. Uh, and again, whether or not it's a trance, a vision, or whatever way that he's, he's communicating, he's trying to communicate. So try to hear him and try to, 
to really like be attentive to what he might say. But when you're confused, that's okay. Uh, in fact, that's going to be the common response when you hear from God is confusion and a little bit of doubt and a little bit of, I don't know what's going on here and all that kind of stuff. But then in that place, take little steps of obedience, things that you know, that you know um, God would want, i.e. things like talking to friends who are also Christians, things like um, reading the Bible, things like praying, things like uh, if God is challenging you to do something like charity or whatever, God will never not be for that. So, you know, you can be confident in taking steps like that. And then as you are obedient, as you follow through in these little steps without being gung-ho, without going and necessarily, uh, you know, selling your, your whole livelihood or whatever else, although maybe God is telling you to do that, but I think you really need to be sure about that before you do. But anyway, before you go gung-ho, see what God is revealing to you in the process. Um, and then uh, remember that whatever he is doing is not just for uh, your good and for your growth as a human being and, and as a follower of Jesus, but he's doing it for other people's good, um, for the glory, for his glory to be, to, to be shown and for other people to be benefited by it. So um, I guess the, here's the questions and I'm just going to say it out all in one for anyone who's watching online so that you guys can talk about it and think about it as well. And then uh, we'll stop recording and we'll talk about it by ourselves. But here, here are some questions that I think are worth thinking about and, and discussing and, and having answers to. First is, when was the last time that you heard from God? Or when was the last time you actually tried hearing from God? Um, secondly of all, uh, when you did hear from him, when you thought you heard from him, did you, do you think you heard it correctly? Do you think you heard him correctly? Um, and why or why not? Um, thirdly of all, going forward, what are some practical ways that you think uh, can help you discern his will in your life, discern his voice in your life um, to help you uh, make sure that you kind of, you know, go on the right path. Um, and yeah, that's, and my encouragement is when you think about these questions, read the book of Acts, because like I said at the beginning, I think that the book of Acts is a really good um, uh, testimony of what the early church was like and how they tried to answer these questions um, and how they tried to uh, live in step with the Holy Spirit and step with Jesus um, in a world that no longer had him there anymore. Um, and it's actually quite powerful, I think. Even though it doesn't clearly spell out answers for you, I think it gives you enough clues to help you along your journey. Uh, so yeah, God bless guys.